Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm asking this one. Why did Kerala not see a September peak and decline the way the rest of the country did? It has been 1 year and 1 month since the first novel coronavirus case was officially detected in India in Kerala in fact. and we are now reporting 11,112,172 cases with 157,195 deaths the biggest development is of course that from today march 1st vaccinations have opened up in the private sector for all individuals over 60 years of age and for those between the ages of 45 and 60 with comorbidities i've been giving it a lot of thought partly because now the decision has quite literally come home My parents who are both over 60 are now staying with me and I'm trying to do what many of you out there are trying to do and get them as safe as possible. I'd urge you not to count on me for medical advice and I think the broad advice from most in the scientific community is to take whichever vaccine you can get right now, but I'd like to share my thought process in an upcoming episode. For now, there are a few developments to do with India's COVID data that I wanted to talk about. Today, Kerala As you'll remember, Kerala was one of the states hailed as an early success and with good reason. India's first COVID-19 cases were discovered in Kerala on January 30th, 2020, when three medical students returning from Wuhan in China where the virus originated were identified by the state, isolated, tested and then hospitalized. One week later, Kerala's health minister KK Shailaja had said I'm hopeful we can declare Kerala as coronavirus free by the first week of March. Another week later on February 14th, the first three patients had been declared recovered and Kerala's finance minister Thomas Isaac tweeted, "Kerala has won battle with coronavirus." That celebration was premature, but even as dozens more cases followed, Kerala seemed to have controlled the spread of the disease by early May 2020 through a contact tracing effort that became the model for other states. Its patient movement maps or flow charts tracing the steps of identified patients were widely shared on WhatsApp and again became a model for other states. By the second week of May, Kerala was one of the world's COVID-19 success stories. down to under 20 active cases even as numbers surged in the rest of india but then cases began to rise again as stranded kerala residents began returning home by special trains and on repatriation flights from overseas by june 2020 active cases were up to 700 by july this had tripled to over 2100 and this would further multiply five fold by august While the rest of India broadly saw a September peak and a decline, Kerala didn't really get this sort of curve. By the first week of February 2021, Kerala was accounting for nearly one of every two new cases detected in India. So what does all this mean? Did Kerala first fail and then succeed and then fail again? Because that's how we've been treating COVID numbers. If they rise somewhere we say that state is failing to contain the spread or that people are failing to wear masks that sort of thing what i wanted to do here is reevaluate what success and failure mean and actually to turn it on its head because in the case of kerala what i found is that the state has largely been a victim of its own success Rajiv Sadanandan the state's former health secretary who is now the chief minister's advisor on covid-19 put it like this to me 
Right from the last week of December, COVID-19 cases have been rising again. It stems from people behaving as if the situation is over. In the rest of the country, no one is wearing masks or practicing social distancing. And looking at this, people in Kerala started behaving this way too. But since Kerala initially controlled the epidemic very well, it has a large pool of vulnerable people. Sadhanandan says that the state controlled the epidemic so well in the early days that residents stopped taking it seriously. Meanwhile, he says, the virus raged in other big states like Maharashtra or Tamil Nadu, leaving them with a much smaller pool of vulnerable people. The numbers bear out what Mr. Sadhanandan is saying. COVID-19 seroprevalence data from three countrywide ICMR surveys shows that there was consistently and significantly lower spread in Kerala than in many other parts of India. National seroprevalence was at nearly 7% in August 2020, while in Kerala it was lower than 1% at the time, despite the state being one of India's most urbanized and outwardly connected. Some big cities like Mumbai and Pune had already displayed seroprevalence levels approaching 40 and 50% by then in comparison. By December 2020, January 2021, national seroprevalence was at nearly 22%, while in Kerala it was 11.6%, showing that while Kerala still trailed the national average, there had been far faster spread between August and December 2020. Other experts also suggested to me that Kerala's early success meant fewer people had developed immunity to COVID-19. Murad Banaji, a mathematics lecturer at Middlesex University in the United Kingdom who has been examining India's COVID-19 data, said to me, If you have a higher fraction of susceptible people in a population, then the effective R-value of the disease is going to be higher, meaning on average one infected individual will infect more than one person. Some of the doctors I spoke to in Kerala agreed that this was part of the explanation. But that's obviously not all of it. And here's where actual failures and blame come in. I mean, look at New Zealand with a highly controlled epidemic and low seroprevalence. They're not seeing raging numbers because they continue to successfully control infections. Brahmar Mukherjee, Chair of Biostatistics and Professor of Epidemiology at the School of Public Health, University of Michigan, who has studied the spread of the virus in India, put it this way to me. Yes, the disease can spread more in untapped areas. However, that does not justify letting it spread and attributing the current failures to the mitigation success in the early phase. You have to continue the mitigation through contact tracing and testing so that the community viral load goes below a certain level and one can enter a state of containment. Look at Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, Singapore, South Korea. They kept a careful watch on case counts. As soon as they saw a spike, they doubled down on prevention measures and contained the disease. This included massive efforts in tracking down super spreader events, she said. In Kerala, on the other hand, there were large gatherings for Onam, through late August and early September and then at Christmas and New Year and no lockdown restrictions were instituted by the state. There's also this to consider. It's likely that infections are more likely to be detected as cases in Kerala than elsewhere for some very specific demographic reasons. It's a densely populated urbanized state with a large elderly population, high prevalence of comorbidities and a highly mobile elder population. What this means is that if infected, the average Malayali might be more likely to develop symptoms or need hospitalization than the average Bihari. Ultimately, whether Kerala succeeded or failed says as much about Kerala as it does about the rest of the country. Because if its late surge is a result of better containment earlier, 
That could mean that places reporting fewer cases now just did a worse job earlier. The virus ran amok early on and pushed them closer to herd immunity in places like Maharashtra. This would also then mean that India's September peak and decline was not a result of successful mitigation, but rather a result of a runaway epidemic and the resulting immunity, which is something that Manoj Murhekar, director of the ICMR's National Institute of Epidemiology and lead investigator of the ICMR's National Sero Survey, suggested to me. But here's the thing. Our understanding of herd immunity could be pretty flawed too. More on that in the next episode. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurti. On the next episode, a new question.